0: What's up, guys? Welcome back or welcome to our podcast called Behind the Mask. we got part two of this episode. Yeah, I said it, part two of this episode with Morgan and Casey talking all about things that we've had to unlearn as we stepped into coaching, right? Transitioning from athlete to coaching. In part one, uh, we got to hear about Casey and Morgan's story of how they got into coaching. Um, we got to learn about, you know, what are some things they've had to unlearn? And a lot of those things were control, Um and really, you know, just uh, decoupling our identity um, with sport, just like we talk about with athletes, um, and really where we go when in our minds, you know, everything is not sunshine and rainbows, but we have to uh, exude confidence to our athletes and, and make sure that they're all, all good. So really cool stuff. If you missed episode one, go back. It's awesome. There's some really good gems in there. Part two, um, we dive right in even more so to talk about some more kind of tools, um, as well as hear from each coach about their why and why they coach. So I think you guys are going to be really blessed by it. I was blessed by sitting in the conversation with those two. So without further ado, here's part two. Um, But I'll get back to my list of questions I actually sent you guys. (laughs) We went on a tangent for a second. Um, And my next question I want to ask you guys is, what has coaching taught you about yourselves?
1: I I would just tie it back into what we kind of touched on a little bit earlier that being your authentic self and the journey of discovering and creating who that is and what factors Mm -hmm. kind of impact that is, Powerful, I think, more than you know, within the moment, again, within our role as a coach, within our role as a female leader in front of other females that you're trying to empower um, in our role as a Christian, in our role as just a human that's trying to be kind and walking this earth. Um, I think the vulnerability within that is something that coaching has taught me so much about myself, because, again, I, I touched on a little bit in the beginning, I felt like I had to fit in a certain box and I had coach me and then I had me. And I felt like those had to be completely different people and I had to act a completely different way. And then it was just, I don't even know what got me to the place now where I'm just kind of like more embracing of like my awkwardness and my growth and the times where I'm like, yeah, I'm growing as where i I'm like, I'll fall on my face and just in front of everybody like, yeah, jack that up. My bad. Um, but that, that aspect there, I think that's something that the role that I'm in now as a coach. And again, the blessing that it is that I get to work with the individuals that I get to work with, like, I am so grateful for that, but they have taught me so much. Cause you, you see as they, they learn and they grow. And then you're like, wait, I kind of want I like that. Like I kind of want to bring that into my life now and how are we going to do X, Y, and Z. Um, so I think that that is something that coaching has just absolutely reached above and beyond any potential expectation expectation i could have had for it um in my self-discovery and all. so
0: yeah i love that coaching has a habit of putting a magnifying glass on the areas that we really don't want it to
2: mm, <laughs>
0: but yeah well i won't say any more then go ahead case let's do <laughs> say. yeah i mean because
2: i'm sitting here as morgan's talking thinking like man I learned a lot of bad stuff about myself through <laughs> this coaching journey. Like, I'm really controlling. Sometimes I lack empathy of people, you know, like you're just looking at this person, and you're like, why can't you do it the way that I understand it in my brain? Or why aren't you putting this as a priority? Like I am, yeah. you know, I think it, it highlights, like, I think it highlighted my selfishness, my lack of empathy, my need to control um, but all those things, like by highlighting those in this profession, then, then you can step back and say, okay, I need, these are things I have to work on. You know what I mean? Because this, this isn't the only area in my life that those things are happening, right? It's just that this is where I'm spending most of my time. And so I'm looking in this mirror going, okay, I'm probably more selfish and more controlling <laughs> and lack more empathy than I'd like to admit in all aspects of my life. So I, I do think that, um, that those, those things, those challenges allowed me to step back, um, and really work on those areas and, and try to give up control and to be more humble, um, admit when I'm wrong. Like, I don't think at 25, I probably was real quick to admit that I had made a mistake, um, like game planning or mistake in punishing, whatever it was, I probably was not as quick as I was, you know, five years into to being the head coach to be like, you know, I really, I messed that up. You guys that's on me and I'm sorry um so I think those are the biggest things that I feel bad because it sounds really negative but I do think they were aspects that really really impacted my entire life and coaching just put a magnifying glass on them
1: yeah kind of piggybacking off that like even like you said like the selfish as- aspect of it that you're kind of like whoa like I for sure experienced that as well because I was always like I love the relationship aspect and I want to be like that relationship coach and like help like them grow through college and these <laughs> things magical and then I caught myself so many times when they were like opening up about stuff that I would then just be like yeah and I had this experience and then mm-hmm. I had this, and I had this and I was like I caught myself being like I get out I'm like did I even listen to what they said or did I just feel like I had to fit in this role of being like the token young female coach that was just in your shoes and here's my experience and I was like shut up and listen to them like mm-hmm. you're not building a relationship like they're not you're not fully like like pushing their thinking you're just making it about what you think your role should be so that that is something I had to like I was like oh my gosh like I stepped away from some of that and this is like oh my gosh probably not until I really got to Northwestern like and just working with the head coach that I'm with now like he's such a good listener and he's such a good like question asker that I was like how did you get into like the depth of these conversations and then I started having more conversations with him I'm like these are good questions you're asking. I'm like, you're pulling a lot out of me. I'm like, I need to do that more because I felt like there was just this selfish, like, am I good at my job? Am I telling my story? Are you hearing, is it impacting you? Like, I was like, what am I doing? Um, So you're definitely not, not alone at all within that. And the magnifying glass thing is so, so accurate in the worst way possible. Oh, but the best at the same time. Oh my Lord.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's really good. And, and I would say, like, just piggybacking off what both of you guys just said in terms of empathy, something I've learned in, in coming off of this past season in particular about myself is that empathy is great unless it's at the detriment of yourself. So, like, the way I coach um, is I put every single element of myself into whatever my athletes are doing, kind of because I want to go in and be the hero kind of like what you guys were saying, is, okay, your athlete is struggling with this crisis of the day. Shoot, now I got to go in and solve their problem and solve world hunger in this conversation. Um, but what I've learned in, in coaching is uh, f- throughout this past season is that it's really good to, to want to step into the messiness of your athlete's, like, stuff. I, I don't think a lot of coaches do that well or want to do that. However, <clears throat> there's got to be a healthy boundary between – you know, like when, when that's about, you know, creating a safe space and being able to be for them to be open and be their authentic selves. And when it's, I just want to fix your problem so we can move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. Um, which is basically just my, my lack of patience for whatever the issue is, especially coaching young adults where you see the same pattern over and over and over again. And there's this, like, I say this, like, I'm not still a young adult. Anyway, there's like this, Um, misconception that once you graduate from high school, that you're not still in this process of becoming and trying to figure out who the heck you are. Like everybody thinks you're an adult when you're not. And just, you know, they, you know, our college athletes step into college fresh in the middle of an identity crisis because they're away from their parents for the first time ever. Um, They're trying to figure out life on their own for the most part, most people, as well as you put them into this highly competitive environment. That's like a revolving door every day, and then want to treat them like they're fully evolved adults, and they're not. And I think that myself, when I was their age, is not them. So I can't just go into the situation and assume that that's how it was. Um, And then I think the second thing about that I've learned about myself in coaching um, is, it, it goes back to control. Like, I, you know, you would think that I know how to surrender, but I don't. And coaching really, really, really puts a magnifying glass on how tightly I hold everything to my chest Um, from anything, the result to training plans, to how the keepers actually operate in training, to their interpersonal lives, to their relationships with each other. Like You want to put every single safeguard there, but at the end of the day, if they're going to touch the hot stove and burn themselves, they need to do it. So um, yeah, so I think that's something too. There's a lot. There's a lot. There's too many things in coaching where I'm just like, yo, I'm over it. Can you stop teaching me all these things about myself for like five seconds? I can just live. But, um, yeah, but I agree with you guys. It's so it's all super important stuff, which segues me into the, the, the next bit, which is, um, where have you guys seen coaches like lead well? And then where have you seen coaches not lead well? What do you think?
1: I'll kind of. Yeah. Oh, oh, go ahead, oh. go ahead. No, you go because I've been talking first the <laughs> whole time. Go ahead.
2: Um, I think what uh, the ways we have
0: Sorry. Sorry. I missed the first half of what you said. I think your mic's on which side of, the, of your laptop. I, I moved
2: my computer because there's a microphone.
0: When it's on this side. I know you're probably opposite out? of me. Yeah, that's
2: okay. perfect. Okay. Yeah. Um, I forget, what was the question now? <laughs> oh, no.
0: Where, no, all good. Where have you seen coaches lead well and then where have you seen coaches not lead well?
2: Okay. I think that I've seen coaches who are more relational than transactional lead really, really well. The ones that care about their players, like truly care about their players on and off the field as people um, more than winning, which is really, really hard to come by, I think. Because you know, winning is part of your job requirement in college. So, as a college coach, um, but that's where they've been the most successful. And when they've kept fun, so I think about um, a couple of different teams, teams that I played on, teams that I coached. The Super Bowl winning team for the Eagles, they I felt like the team and the coach and the culture was about loving each other, and more than the transactional of of what you can give me. Um, and then keeping an atmosphere of fun. And so there wasn't this pressure, like um, the teams that I've seen be successful, there doesn't feel like there's this less choking pressure to perform, it felt fun. Like everybody had this, took a deep breath and was just enjoying being together and playing and the best came out that way.
1: That's awesome. Um, Yeah, I completely agree with the the relationship side of that. I feel like that's where, I feel like as we all reflect as, through our careers. And you think about coaches that really had like a positive impact on you. It's because they knew you off the field. Um, I would, I, when I thought about two people that um, immediately came to my mind when I saw this question where the, the head coach I work with now um, I've never met somebody who's so like relentless in the pursuit of knowledge to like grow soccer players, to grow individuals, to grow leaders, to grow just humans. Mm -hmm. um than him like it I'm like how do you find this much time in the day and he's so like and he doesn't do it for like being known as like I'm the best at developing x y and z he does it because he genuinely selflessly wants to pass it down and help people and I think just leading from that like just pure intention is so powerful and I feel like all of our players truly feel that he's wholeheartedly invested in them and it has absolutely nothing to do with him but about their, their development on and off the field and that they're valued more off the field than they could ever potentially be on the field. Um, and then the other was, uh, Kevin Dempsey, who I've now shouting out for the second time, uh, just cause from knowing him as yeah, shout out, KBD, um, knowing him as a recruit and then playing under him and then working alongside him, he, in a, in a world, especially within college athletics, it's so touchy to hold people accountable. Um, and I feel like just the way that things have transitioned with what the landscape kind of is now, it's really hard to do that. And he has such, he's like just such a golden retriever about stuff that you know that like he's so he just loves you so much that he's gonna build you up and he has the best like intention behind what he's saying. But again, he's gonna be the first person to be like, you messed up, like you need to hold yourself accountable. That's not how we operate here. That's not our standard stuff like that. Um, but he does it in such a good way that you're not defensive when you're told that something about you wasn't perfect, which again, I feel like we live in a a world where people try to be perfect and they like close themselves off to any sort of feedback to grow and any sort of feedback to be held accountable within their growth. And he has such a special way and intentional way of just holding people accountable with like just the most pure intention and just seeing somebody lead like that. One, being under it and being led like that. And then also seeing him do it with players that I like knew from a different side, because it's such a different view that you get um, from a perspective there. But and I I could go on and on about the two of them and just how I've had the absolute pleasure to watch them lead with such pure intention and selflessness. So that yeah, home run for both of them.
0: Yeah, the common theme I'm hearing is that is relationship wins no matter what. Um, <clears throat> something that Pastor Barry said way back in the day, I think back in season one, is that your level of correction has to mat- match your level of relationships. So you don't get to give somebody feedback if you have not taken the time to actually step into community with that person. And I would agree with you guys that uh, the best coaches I've had, know how to hold people accountable they know how to challenge athletes they know how to you know get the best out of you but they don't it's not because they read this self help book and that's because that's all of the techniques they learned it was because they took the time to actually get to know each athlete well enough to say i can scream at this person i can't scream at that person if i'm screaming at this person i have to say this so it's not just like i've i've had some some teammates where you can just yell incoherent nonsense at this person and it's motivating <laughs> for whatever reason. I don't know. Like they just needed someone to yell at them for like a second. It's like a smack in the face because a coach can't smack them. They'll just yell random stuff at them. Um, And then I've had teammates like, I'm the athlete that you can scream at me. I don't care. But if you're saying information that is useful, I'm going to listen to you. I don't really care what the delivery is. Um, And then there's others that don't respond that way. Um, You have to kind of go at it in a different way. And I'll agree with you, Morgan, that this newer generation of athletes, you can't just be an old school, like, try to be hard all the time, coach. They do not respond that way. And I think this new generation of athletes um just really want to know that you care before you can even say anything to them. You know. Um, and I think uh something that uh Casey you heard you probably heard this because uh you were at leadership camp but um Morgan said at leadership camp is this concept of oh no he said it the day after you left he said this concept of being faithful and able in terms of choosing a mentor choosing the person you're going to mentor yourself um, in terms of pouring into the next generation and choosing people that's going to pour into you, finding people that are faithful and able. So not just the, you know, do they match your values? Or are they thinking along the same lines as you, but also are they capable of doing the job that you're asking them to do? And where I've seen coaches not lead well is that, you know, they're, they're not necessarily the most capable person to do that job, but they want to choose to try and be everything to everybody and not be able to delegate and say, oh, yeah, you know, maybe this person has this relationship so they can do this. Um, vice versa. Like it might, I might not have to be the one that does everything. Um, so, but yeah, long story short, I do think uh, relationships win and across the board and it seems. Obvious. However, we know that that just doesn't happen because we're all about the stats and wanting to win everything. That you know we steamroll over relationships, but the most successful ones, right? Like Dawn Staley at South Carolina, love her. So I'm always quoting South Carolina women's basketball. Gino oriyama at UConn, and all these people. Like the athletes leave with nothing but amazing things to say about how well their coaches knew them and cared about cultivating them as people, not just as athletes. Um, and I think that's all really good. So uh, just to kind of finish up, I the last bit I was going to ask was for you guys to give advice to the group, but I'm going to scrap that and go off of what Morgan said earlier. Um, what I would love for you guys to share with the group is your why. Why do you coach? I know, Casey, you don't coach anymore, but um, why do you? Well, Casey, you could still do that in the context of FCA. So we'll go with that. Um, yeah. So we'll finish with that. Tell the people, why do you guys coach? Why do you do what you do?
1: I'll go first. <laughs> um, I, I would say mine's kind of like a two-pronged thing here from the, the soccer side of it. I love soccer. I love goalkeeping. I love the fact that we can train 5,478 scenarios and you might be called upon to do two of those that you potentially maybe worked upon. Um, I love that. I love the creating of a process. I love the day in and day out grind of saying like, okay, does this work? Does this not work? Did this impact this person? Did this change? And just like the shaping of an environment. I love the control aspect of that. I feel like that's where the control like manifests in potentially a positive way. Um, So I love that side of it. And then touched on it a little bit. I love that I have the opportunity and the platform to lead the group that I do. Like, I just think college is such a pivotal time within your lives, like Chris, like you said earlier, like you're coming in, like your first time away from home. Like I moved from Maryland; nobody had ever left my town, and I moved down to Louisiana, knew absolutely nobody, and that was a really scary thing. And I love that I can play some form of role within their life to help them navigate that and help them discover themselves and their authentic self. And I hope that they look to me as, as I'm chasing my dreams, as I'm falling on my face, like I said earlier in the process, as I'm goofy, as I'm myself, as I'm too passionate sometimes and have to reel it back like i hope that they see me as like a strong empowered female because i pray to god that they are empowered by that because that's what i want for them and so much more um and that's my why like i know it's so corny to say like the players are your why but i love the days when we butt heads and i love the days when we're celebrating that they got an a on exam that they probably didn't deserve in the day. Like maybe their boyfriend broke up with them and we're helping them through that process and being like, that's not your word. Like, you're awesome. You got this girl. Um, Like I'm, I'm here for all of that. And I'm, I, I love, I love, and that's on the hardest days, what carries me through is that, that opportunity to, um, to just have the slightest impact within their lives or hope to have the impact within their lives. So super long-winded and I get super passionate about that, but I could go on for days. I swear that's, that means the world to me. That means the world to me. So, yeah. <laughs> um,
2: so my, I think I shared a little bit about my, my why that I went into coaching because I wanted to give back that same experience and, and make an impact. Um, and, and raise up other leaders that was, you know, I wanted to, I think the biggest compliment is that if you coach people then they go into coaching or, you know what I mean? That's like the biggest compliment. Um, and I just wanted to have some sort of positive impact on um, young women's lives. I think in terms of, as my role has shifted and I'm still coaching, but coaching for a different purpose. Um, it's, it's a little bit different because there isn't the um pressures of winning, right? Like I don't have to worry about whether or not we're gonna win a game. So there's some freedom in um in that in terms of just walking alongside people in their journey with Christ and pointing them back to Christ and hoping that I'm reflecting Christ. Um, and so it, it's interesting because where there was all this strategy and coaching um for lacrosse, I'm on the field and I'm studying the game and I'm studying leadership books, it's like, I just need to be so tightly connected to the Lord, and that He comes out of me, um, because I'm going to jack it up if it's just me. Because I do not have the strategy. Jesus is the strategy, and so I think it's a little bit different. Um, and so there's freedom, but I think the same thing. Like I hope that I hope that I'm planting seeds. I hope that. People come to know Christ and that um, they have peace and joy on this earth. Um, and then they have eternal um, life with Christ. And, and um, you know, I think especially in the city where things are just grim sometimes, that I just, I just hope like, okay, if, if this world isn't the way it's supposed to be, which it isn't, um, that at some point these these coaches and these athletes here are going to experience it um, the way it should be because they know Christ um so that's my why um definitely less pressure than than winning although when people's eternity is at stake I don't know people could argue that's a lot of pressure but it's not about us it's not about us right I can't I can't bring anybody um to the kingdom God has got to do that we can just be faithful so
0: yeah so good I I would say I'm in the same boat as Morgan, like, shout-out to the player coaches out there. I it, I mean, it sounds corny, but, like, I feel like that's, for me, the reason. One of the reasons why I coach is for the players. Like, if the players weren't there, I wouldn't be there. If the players weren't, weren't good, didn't want to do what they wanted to do, I wouldn't want to do what I want to do. Um, I'm 100% a player coach in that way. And we could have a whole nother show about, like <laughs> – toxic reasons why coaches don't want to step in and, and, and maintain that, that balance, but whatever, I'm not going to get into that can, can of cane worms, but yeah, I would say that that's um, one big reason why I stepped into coaching and why, you know, I continue to coach the way I coach is for the players. Like it's players center. They, they have to be the ones that step on the field and do it. Um, and then I think the other thing is in line kind of with what Casey is saying is that um, I coach because I want them to know that they're more than what they do Mm. it's a a hard lesson that I didn't learn when I was playing and continue to struggle with as an adult um but is is so like nonetheless important and I know like when I was playing when I like actually got serious about you know living this life with Jesus the pressure was off like my first year when I played at Vanderbilt um, anchor Down and Go Doors, Representing for the SEC. Anyway, uh, I had to shout that out. I meant to do that earlier when you said LSU. But uh, I think there was there was such a difference in the first year that I played at Bandy, and everything was about playing for coach's approval, being the best athlete on the field, being like everything that coach needs me to be, the being the type of goalkeeper that coach needs me to be, compared to my sophomore year and junior year, senior year, through pro playing pro and then coaching now is my why shifted to it being about everyone else um, from being about everyone else to just being about him. And the fact that he reass- reassures who I am, regardless of how well I succeed or fail. Um, mm-hmm. And my goal is to impart the same thing in action, as well as, you know, in word to my athletes of so, like, there's so much more like sport is awesome. We have the a, a great privilege to get to participate in something so cool every day, but it ends. So where are you going to be when your sport ends and whatever, whether it's through injury or you choose to step away or there's like a natural ending. Um, Yeah. So that's where I'm at with it. But with that being said, we are out of time. Um, I want to thank you guys so much for popping on the show with me and chatting and imparting all of your wisdom uh, from both of you. I learned a ton uh, from just listening to you guys. So thank you so much for, for coming on the show.
1: Thanks for having me again. Yeah. Thank you. This was awesome. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Always. Awesome. So, uh, so for everybody, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening in. Um, We're going to post two parts of this episode. So don't be alarmed if you see the first one and it's not the full one, there will be a second part. Um, So if you like what you heard or you've seen and you're watching on YouTube, hit the red subscribe button at the bottom of the screen. So you don't miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram at behind the mask 3132. Um, you can find us on Apple podcast, Spotify, anywhere. Um, same thing behind the mass 3132 and then keep following what Casey and Morgan are doing. They're doing awesome stuff through Northwestern soccer Casey through Philly Metro FCA represent for Philly. Let's go. Um, but yeah, until next time we will catch you guys later.